Jack. And welcome to the Extras for a new year. It's good to be with you, Jack. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, thanks Thanks for joining us this afternoon. We, we uh, This is our first episode for the year. We've had a little bit of a break mm. over summer. And uh, through this series on questions, um, we've sort of been tackling questions during services, but yeah. not so much on, on the podcast. But we had so many on Sunday night that we thought we'd, we'd take a special episode, come back a little early. And uh, yeah, um, did you have a good Christmas and good New Year's? It was good, yeah. Had good time with family. We have a new little baby in our yeah, household. Our daughter baby. was born about eight weeks ago. So yeah, it was a pretty pretty wild Christmas. You know, really, really late <laughs> New Year's Eve, actually. You know, we were up, yeah, you were party up to animals. all of 10 p.m. And then, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it was great. But How then probably you? back up at like two or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah we, uh, we we had a great, I had some leave and a little bit of time um, away up up on the north coast, and it was delightful. And uh, yeah, seeing seeing family and friends and been very nice. But now back into things and uh, and off we go. Good. Now uh, we uh, spent some time on Sunday with you, Jack, mm. talking about um, evil and suffering, and why does God allow those things in the world? Yeah. Um, and it was a really helpful time on Sunday. Um, but in case some people missed that and want to do a quick catch up, can can you remind us um, what we were thinking about and some of the, the points we were, were you made on Sunday? Thank you. Yeah, I mean the big kind of question we had coming into this is: you look at the world, and there's a lot of things that are wrong with it, and we feel these disasters we get we hurt you know all sorts of terrible things happen and we we cry out through that and wonder you know if god's there what is he doing about it why would he let that happen that's the big question that so many of us feel so often in life and that's what we really dug into we thought about why it is that a good god would possibly allow suffering in the world we talked about the sin that human beings have brought into the world the fact that god is good and just and won't let sin be swept under the rug so the things that are wrong with the world are his judgment because of our sin we talked about what God's doing about it as well. He's the God who isn't just leaving us to despair without hope. He's the God who's doing something, has done something about evil because Jesus died to defeat it and he will do something about it, which he's going he's gonna to sweep it away forever once Jesus comes back. So, you know, yeah, a big question and we started to tease into some, some big issues, but obviously there's a lot more things we didn't get to, okay. to talk about, which is what we're talking about now. We've got a lot of great questions yeah, to I mean, dig through. It's a huge topic, mm. and uh, it's one that, that's tricky to tackle um, in, in a 30-minute window, um, which is why we want to give a bit more time to thinking some of it through now. Um, it's also a tricky topic, I think, to tackle when you're in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, and so I thought it was helpful on Sunday night that you noted that you noted that sometimes when you're in the midst of it, what, what you need is someone to listen and someone to encourage. Mm. Um, you need to rem- be reminded that God loves you. Um, yeah. But... For, it's also something that hopefully this can be a bit of a resource um, that we can come back to um, and, and sort of prep ourselves for suffering at one level because um, suffering will come yeah. um, for all of us um, in, right. in different ways. And so it's good to be prepared and ready, um, armed with, with God's truth for the moments where it does come. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's dive in. We've got a, we've got a bunch of questions um, that we'll, we'll try and work our way through. We'll see how we go. for, for our, We try to get these done in 30 minutes, so we'll, we'll see... See how we go. Um, so let, let's dive in. Um, if God allows certain evils for the greater good, um, could it be possible that God helps and cares about someone else's suffering more than that, than he does about my own? Um, does God equally care about every little suffering that a person has, no matter how small, just as for those whose suffering is more tragic? Yeah, I think you look out at the world and can see huge disparity in the suffering that people face. And sometimes you could you could read that different ways. Like maybe the people out there who are suffering, you know, catastrophically awful things. Maybe they're you know that's the 
the real issues that God cares about, whereas what I'm going through is pretty minor, so he's not really that interested, probably doesn't care at all. That's mm-hmm. one way you could think about it. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, you could think, well, you know, those people who are going through something terrible, maybe they've just done something really bad. They're the ones who are getting punished, whereas maybe actually God cares about me more because I'm suffering less. Like, you know, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of ways you could think about it. I don't think either of those are, are a particularly biblical way to look at it. Mm. Part of this, I mean, like all of these questions, it is hard. There's not a lot that I think we can always say about the, you know, the specifics of, you know, why is my life different to yours? I don't think the scriptures necessarily encourage us to compare ourselves to one another that much. And that's related to, I talked about that Luke 13 passage on Sunday night where Jesus mm. says, you know, those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell, you know, were they any worse than everyone else? And Jesus says, no, but mm. unless you repent, you too will perish. So part of it is, you know, Jesus inviting us to think about ourselves and our, you know, our sin, you know, all that kind of stuff is in the picture. But also God does care. I mean, Jesus says that, you know, God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Like he cares for all people. God doesn't desire the death of a sinner. Uh, he, he is good. He, he cares when everyone suffers, whether mm. that's a little or a great thing. And the question made me think about, you know, in the book of Exodus, you see the, the people of Israel, they're crying out to God because they're being oppressed by the Egyptians, like this whole, you know, nation of a million people, all, you know, yeah. oppressed as slaves. And God, it says God hears them and he knew and he did something about it. Mm. So there's like, massive suffering. Yeah, God cares about that. But then you could look at something like the start of 1 Samuel where Hannah is, you know, struggling with not being able to have a child and she cries mm. out to God just like one woman. No one else really knows her struggle, just mm. one person on her own. Mm. God hears that. God cares about that. You know, it's not like God cares about big things more than little things like sometimes mm. we just maybe need a bigger picture of god like it's not like he has a finite amount of love that he's mm-hmm. only able to parcel out at urgent yeah. needs like god is infinite and he he is yes. all of us and he's everywhere and he knows what we're all going through and he cares about it all yeah no that's helpful okay well, on the flip side of that um someone else uh questions look in contrast to some of the things that you you mentioned um why does why do sometimes do god's blessings go out to people that don't know god um so not not the suffering, but the blessings this time. Mm. Um, and does God's mercy work in a similar way to His punishment? Do, does He does He give mercy and punishment sort of ad hoc or differently? Or yeah, yeah, it's a really good pickup. And like I mean, that verse I just mentioned that God sends the the rain on the mm. righteous and the unrighteous. There mm. are things that God does that are good, even though you know this world is full of people who are sinful and who yeah. rebel against Him. God still does so much that is good for us. Like yeah. this world, you know even though there are many things that are wrong with it, there are many things that are wonderful and beautiful about yeah. the world. It's full of blessings that all of us enjoy, no matter you know how bad we might be. Yeah. And that's what, like theologically, we call that common grace, that there is this gracious work of God pouring out his love, even for people who, who despise him. And mm. I mean, that's all of us, and God does dispense those blessings everywhere. I mean, there is, like, there is a kind of a sting to that question as well. I mean, you see throughout the Psalms, like, the psalmists are always saying like you know why do the wicked prosper while the good are the ones who suffer and we feel this imbalance often it does feel like it's the the people who are crooks who Mm. manage to you know build up the biggest bank accounts and they never seem to face the music for it one of the the questions there is like what is blessing Mm. something like wealth like we look at that thing yeah like that's you know that's blessing isn't it and at one level yeah that's a good thing it's a gift from god but also sometimes i mean it's interesting there's another place in the proverbs where Someone says, you know, he says to God, you know, give me neither poverty nor riches that my heart would be drawn away from you. Like sometimes you see that in life as well, really abundant riches. That's something that can lead people far, far away from Jesus. So was that a blessing? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, thanks, mate. That's, that's helpful. Um, let's just keep pressing along here. Yeah. Um, 
you mentioned Adam and Eve on Sunday night as the sort of point where sin enters the world and the, the mm. suffering and the pain that we, many of us experienced began. Um, someone's texted in and said, look, why did God choose Adam and Eve to face the serpent's tem- temptation on everyone else's behalf? You know, everyone past, present and future. Um, what if someone else could face the, the serpent's temptation and prevent sin in the world? Yeah, I think this is a good question. I think someone's thinking hard. It's great. I think the the feeling we have is it can feel a bit unfair. Like Adam and Eve were the only ones there at the time. They stuffed it up. But if I'd been there, you know, if I'd been the one there, you know, sitting there with the tree and with the fruit, and I would, you know, I wouldn't have eaten. Like, what a ridiculous thought. I don't know. Like, if you were there, Sam, do you think you would have? Uh, the fruit. I, 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 remember, <laughs> I remember having thought that thought in the past um, I, I now that I wouldn't have. Um, yeah. now, now I know myself well enough to know that I would have done exactly the same. But it, I, I certainly yeah. can resonate with this thought. Yeah, I think yeah. we were saying that there. I think that's the point, isn't it? That we think maybe we would have been better and would have done it right. But I think that human history tells us that I think that's just not the case. I mean, it's also true that we inherit sin from Adam and Eve. Like we are, you know, there their descendants, their, you know, the, the reason that we are in a world full of sin is because of what they did. And mm. you might like to think that maybe if you had the chance to stand on your own two feet and... You set the course of human history on a different path. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And in a sense, we'll never know. But I think the thing that the scriptures tell us is, you know, we we're, mm. we were all part of that decision. Like, we were all yeah. kind of bound up yeah. in that sin. As for the second part of the question, you know, what if someone else could face the serpent's temptation prevent sin in the world? Mm. If you think that person was you... I think that you're mistaken, but like the great news of the gospel is that someone did face the serpent's temptation. Mm. When Jesus, you know, came to the world, he went out into the desert for 40 days and was tempted by the devil. And you know, every mm. attack that the devil threw at him, Jesus shrugged it off. He's the one who stood in Adam and Eve's shoes the second time. You know, that's mm. why the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. But he's the mm. one who actually resisted temptation, and he's the one who's able to do something about sin in the world mm. because he resisted it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God for Jesus. He, he's mm. the second Adam. And it's funny, Matthew 4 even paints him as the second Israel. So not yeah. only did he do Adam and Eve's temptation, he does Israel's temptation and, and uh, nails that mm. as well. You know, doesn't doesn't sin where yeah. Israel's... He, he yeah, just yeah. at every point where humankind have sinned person after person, group after group, Jesus doesn't. And, that's uh, it. That's the good news. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jackie said that we might not all be as evil as any person out there, e.g. a murderer, um, mm. but aren't all sins considered equal in the eyes of God? So aren't we all equally as evil? Yeah, this is another good pickup. I think sometimes we do say something like, you know, all sins are equal. So when when that's the language that you hear thrown around, it makes it kind of weird to see, oh, so you're saying we're not, you know, if some sin's worse than others, how does that even work? Yeah, mm. so it's a good question. And there's an important distinction I think we need to keep in mind, and that is that sin is it is equal in the sense that it makes us guilty before a holy God. All sin does that in the same way. But not all sins are equal in terms of their their seriousness, their, their consequences, maybe, even the punishment that they might incur. I mean, for an example of that, so in the book of James, James says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Mm-hmm. So whatever law you break you know all equally lawbreakers so if you murder someone you've broken the whole law but if you you know break the speed limit you've broken the whole law that's kind of the point like law breaking makes you a lawbreaker so everyone Mm. every one of us is a sinner in that sense we're all equally culpable before god but there are parts of the bible that talk about that that sin is different from sin in other ways so like all throughout the old testament law you see these distinctions between you know the different kinds of punishments depending on how a sin is done so you know if someone who you know 
accidentally kills someone, like that's treated in some way. But if you you know murder someone, that's that's a different thing again. The the Lord talks about like sin with a high hand, like mm. sin that's done defiantly against God. That's that's treated differently again. So mm. even the way that you act and your attitude, the same sin can have different degrees of severity. I think a really helpful case study is something like uh, adultery and lust. So in Matthew five, Jesus says. Anyone who lusts after a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So in that sense, he's saying there is something equal about lust mm. and adultery. In terms of you know, how they make you guilty before God, those two things are the same. But very clearly, those two sins are different in the consequences they have. Like mm. if you lust after someone, uh, that has, you know, there's certain negative things about that. But it's very different too. If you commit adultery with someone, that has a whole you know relational yeah. train wreck that follows after it like those yeah. are those are very different things in terms of mm. the seriousness and the consequences yeah does that does yeah that so you're saying that they are different both in terms of their, their earthly consequences yeah um there's a big there's a bigger punishment for murdering someone than there is say for mm. breaking the speed limit um yeah. but even in god's eyes even though that both of them are sins and make you equally culpable before god that they even in God's eyes, can, can, are treated differently in terms of the way his justice will be um, enacted upon you? I think that's right, yeah. I mean, it makes me think of Jesus says this thing a few times where he, he talks about some of the towns where he did mm. his miracles, and he says, you know, woe to you, Bethsaida. It will be more tolerable for, you know, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah. Yeah, on the you. day of judgment that it is for you. Yeah. So even, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, we looked at that last year, didn't we? You know, terrible wickedness there. But Jesus says there's actually a difference in, like, the, the eternal consequences of yes. God's judgment yeah, based on, right. and in that case, it's based on, you know, what you knew. Like, that's Sodom right. and Gomorrah had a certain amount of knowledge, but yeah. that's you had God himself standing there, you know, Jesus was there. So even yeah. different responsibility for for what we know as yeah. we sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's, uh, let, let's get moving along here. Um, now, a couple of questions um, regarding uh, what you were saying about um, God's use of perhaps some things like the, the natural disasters or more recently the bushfires and, mm. and ju- justice, um, judgment. Um, quite a few questions on that. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to summarize them a little bit here. But is there a sense in which um, we as a society should see those things as warning from God, perhaps in this form of, of suffering or judgment, um, that because we as a society as a society have turned our backs on God and um, you know, and maybe issues like, you know, same sex marriage recently or abortion, mm. could could they be examples of our sin and our regard of God's word and hence God is now punishing us with, with these things. Um, we, we did have a little bit of a go at this on yeah. Sunday night in the, the live question time at night church, um, but yeah, let, let's come around again because there were quite a few questions yeah. a, about this. Thank you, yeah. It is, a, 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 I find it a really complex issue to explain and in something like a, a sermon on Sunday, it is hard to kind of give a comprehensive answer. So it is good that we get to talk about it again. Mm. So I think the maybe the three pegs in the ground I'd want to place are, firstly, suffering exists because it is God's judgment upon our sin. That's the the big picture. You know, that's what I was saying on Sunday night. That's the that's the whole kind of framework how we think about suffering in the world. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, it is right sometimes to say that suffering is a specific punishment for mm. particular sin. You see that in the scriptures as well. So you might see something like 1 Corinthians 11. Paul talks to the church in Corinth and says, you know, the reason some of you are sick and dying is because you've, you know, abused one another when you're coming to the Lord's Supper. Like he says, here's, yep. he names the issue and says, that's why you're suffering. Yep. So sometimes there is that specific link. That's the second thing. But the third thing, and this is what I was emphasizing on Sunday, is to make that specific link idea, like a generalized, absolute principle that's always right, that goes too far. 
And that seems to be Jesus's point in Luke 13 again, you know, the ones who died in the tower. Did you think that you know, any worse? No, I tell you, no, he says. So, I mean, to recap that, sometimes it is a specific thing, but to say that in generality, that's that's wrong. And I mean, you see that in the book of Job as well. Like, you know, in the book of Job, Job goes through these series of catastrophes and his mates come over to, you know, to try and console him, but they end up just, this is their worldview. They say, look, yeah, suffering's always because of sin. So Job, you must have done something wrong. Like, if you just admit what you've done wrong, it'll all be fine again. Like, what is it? How did you sin? And the whole point of Job is that that's not why Job was suffering. Mm. Like, that's, that's it's too small a, a view to say that's the only thing that ever happens. Yep. So I mean, to, like, you know, I raised this issue that Israel Folau brought up, mm. you know, the bushfires being punishment for same-sex marriage and decriminalizing abortion. Mm. I think that, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's just talk it out. I mean, it's hard to speak really, really clear. So I'm just going to you know, think out loud. And if I say something stupid, you can tell me, Sam. <laughs> sure, but, sure, sure. But I think at one level, yes, that could be true. It could be the case that God is punishing Australia because of those specific things, legalizing same-sex marriage, decriminalizing abortion. That's possible. Maybe we'll get to heaven and God will tell us, yes, that's exactly what I was doing. But to say that now with absolute clarity, I think is is misguided i don't think we have enough information mm. to be able to declare that kind of unilaterally the difference for those biblical examples i gave like 1 corinthians 11 is paul gives this specific prophetic word mm. you know as the inspired author of scripture if someone could come along and tell us yes you know i can tell you categorically this is exactly why god is doing that then you would know but we just don't know and i mean if you think about all of the sin in australia there's all sorts of things that god um, wants to punish Australians for and will one day on the last day you know you know why wouldn't it be that the reason we have bushfires is because of you know our particular stance on you know you name the issue like refugees or you know climate policy or whatever you know you think is the worst thing about Australian society you could say that is the thing that God is punishing mm. and often people who make this kind of pronouncements you can see it is really a reflection of the values that they hold dear Mm. Luke's, I mean, the point Jesus is making in Luke 13, I think, is we can't draw those big inferences without that prophetic word. In, in the word. absence of a prophetic word, yeah. um, we can't say much more than a general comment, which is that, that these things happen because we live in a, in a world that is damaged by sin. But to say more than that is, is probably claiming too much at this point. Is that, is that fair to say? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. We may find out one day yeah. that actually, yeah, you know, that's the case, but... Now we, we don't know everything. I yeah. don't think we can always give a categorical answer. So we don't. And so the point there is, we we don't want to go beyond what scripture, what revelation we have in scripture. Yes, is that right? That that's our guide. Yeah. And so scripture can point us there. Um, then we, we'll go there. Mm. Um, but at this point, we, we can see we can see a, a pattern in scripture where that has happened in the past, but it's always accompanied with a prophetic word. Other yeah. times, Jesus says, "No, it just happened, and make mm. sure you repent." You know exactly. Like, and so we, but we don't know with the bushfires which one of those two it is. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, good. Um, all right, let, let's keep moving along here. So um, uh, how do we find a balance between God's grace on the one hand and his, his justice on the other hand, when, when he, uh, particularly when it comes to those who commit appalling acts? Mm. Um, so, for example, someone who kills lots of people in a mass shooting, or, and then, but then they become a Christian. Uh, or a story this person who's texting in recently heard of, of a person who was in prison because they, they, they raped and murdered um, people, uh, who's now a Christian. Mm. Um, how do we hold these two things together that, that you sort of feel like you want God's justice for them on the one hand and then yet God seems to be gracious on the other yeah how do we think that through yeah again this is a great a great question because I think this shows you've got it this is in some senses the scandal of mm -hmm. grace that the person who has committed horrific atrocities can at the end of their life come to Jesus and repent and if they trust Christ then yeah he's 
his sacrifice is sufficient to wipe out every sin. Mm. And to a world that wants justice, that's, I mean, in one sense, that's the only answer, but it is, it is a scandal. So I, I get the, the question. And I think the, the two things you've got to keep in mind are, on the one hand, yes, the forgiveness that God offers is complete and absolute. But on the other hand, human justice and, and the justice that comes as the consequences of sin is also a God-given thing. So Paul talks about in Romans 13 about how governments have been given the, the sword to restrain wrongdoing, to punish evil, and sometimes human governments will you know, enact punishments, and that is good and right. So even if someone does something wrong, and they may face the punishment for that, becoming a Christian doesn't absolve them of the, the, the consequence of their sin. Yeah. I think, I mean, an example it makes me think of is uh, a few years ago, the, you might remember the, the Bali Nine, the, the Australians who smuggled heroin into Indonesia, and they were caught and sentenced to death, and Andrew Chan was one of the guys in that group. That the less famous Chappelle Corby's. She, That's right. She got all the limelight, but there's yeah. another another bunch all around the same time, right? They just didn't <laughs> quite the same get time. the fame. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's going yeah. back a well. while. It's like 15 years ago. It's a while back. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but Andrew Chan, yeah, you know, he convicted as a drug smuggler, sentenced to death, and then in prison he becomes a Christian. Yeah. And you know, you hear him talk about it. like he genuinely believed in Jesus, as far as I can tell, and yeah. that means he trusted Christ to take his sins, and he's forgiven, and you know, he is in in God's eyes that's done away with, and he is holy and, and forgiven. That doesn't change the fact that he did the wrong thing and that that decision has consequences. And whenever you think about the justice system of Indonesia, like they've been entrusted with this policy and they've made these decisions and Andrew Chan willingly went to his execution because mm. he knew that he'd done the wrong thing and needed to do the time, so mm. to speak. Mm. So forgiveness is absolute in Christ, but sin still has consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, how is there hope? You spoke about hope on, on Sunday yeah. a bit in terms of um, what Jesus has come and done in the world, which gives us real kind of hope. Um, mm. But how is there hope when friends die that they weren't Christians, but they, they weren't against Christianity, but you know they didn't also, they weren't sort of pro, they didn't go to church, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, where's the hope in that situation? Yeah, this is a really um, hard question to grapple with. And... You know, I know people who died who, as far as I know, weren't Christians. And to be honest, that's devastating because in a very real sense, yeah, there is no hope mm. in a very significant sense. I, I don't want to be someone who holds out false hope. I think false hope is one of the greatest lies we could give people. Like, you know, the gospel makes it clear that those who, who die apart from Jesus Christ will face his judgment. And mm. there's no... There's no hope of, you know, after death, maybe it's all going to work out. No, you know, death is final and judgment is final. And that's really serious. There's a real urgency to our gospel work. Exactly. That's the thing it drives us to. We, yeah. we, we take every chance. We mm. milk this life for every opportunity we get to share people, Christ with people because this is their one shot to come to him and find life. And that is the hope. I mean, in this world, Jesus is our only hope. And the hope that we have is that we who trust in Christ will be with him forever and and we trust that God is good and God still keeps saving and so we keep praying for people and those who are still alive we keep praying that God would change their hearts and give us the boldness to share Christ with them so they can have that hope that lasts forever as well mm. okay um, okay we, we, we're moving along we've got a couple left to go here um, uh, does um does God cause suffering or does he allow it? And that is, is he the source or does it does it come from somewhere else? Possibly Satan. 
Yeah, where's the, the, the beginning of it all? Yeah, this is another good question. This, this is great because this is pushing back kind of one step further. Like this is the, the logical question I think that you would have coming out of what I said in the talk. So that's great. Mm. Um, does God cause suffering or does he allow it? Yes and yes. Mm. Um, I started with the language of allow in that talk because that's, that's true. And it's often it's the easier question for us to hear to start with. I think it's, I asked that question first because that's the question we typically come to mm. God with, I think. I think particularly when people don't know Jesus, like it's almost like the idea that God would cause suffering. That's not even in, in, you know, in our mind. So the question we naturally start with is, is does, does he allow it? But as you read the Bible, you, you realize that what God's saying is actually much stronger than just mm. allowing it. If all God did was allow suffering, it kind of paints God as a, almost like there's these forces outside his control. Like mm. there's evil in the world and God would really love to put a stop to it, but he can't. He just has to kind of let it happen. But the Bible is saying something even stronger and bigger about God. And there are plenty of places where we see the Bible talk about God bringing suffering, causing mm. suffering. And that language sounds strong to our ears. But I mean, let's look at a couple of places. Like a verse like Isaiah 45, verses 6 and 7. God says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. I create disaster. That's what God says. Mm. And if all that you thought was that you know God should only ever do good to people all the time and any suffering means God is evil, um, that sounds pretty scandalous. But what I've been trying to show as we you know look through Genesis 3 is that the reason God causes suffering is because he cares about sin. Mm. Suffering, The suffering that God causes doesn't show that God is evil. It shows that he's good because he cares about sin. He's just. Mm. The reason that God causes suffering is, is only ever as a just punishment for sin. Mm. Yeah, that's helpful. And, and I guess in that sense, um, that's not an isolated verse either. Yeah. You, know, you can keep chasing those down. And um, yeah, there are plenty of, of verses to that end that say that both good and evil mm. come from, from the hand of God. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good to talk about Satan as well because, I mean, that's another whole yeah, well, aspect of this Yeah, that's what I was going to follow question. up with. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Satan, t- tell us, tell us is he, where does he fit in with this? Yeah, like, he has a huge role in this as well. Um, I didn't make the links explicitly in the talk, but the serpent in the garden who deceives Adam and Eve, that's Satan. You know, God has an enemy. The Bible makes that clear. There is an evil one prowling around this world like a lion looking for someone to devour, and... Satan has huge power in this world to bring death and destruction. I mean, you look at what the book of Revelation says about this dragon, and he is a terrifying being. Mm. That said, he's not some sort of law unto himself who's totally you know, out of control and God's not able to rein him in. Like That's not the picture the Bible paints either. Satan only has the power that God has entrusted to him. And that's something else you see in the book of Job. The first two chapters, you read it and, you know, Job comes to God. I mean, sorry, Satan comes to God and says, oh, you know, this guy Job, like, he's only, you know, loving you, God, because you have all the good stuff. Like, let me, you know, totally destroy his life. And God hands power over to Satan to go and do that. And you see Satan bring all this disaster into Job's life and take away his camels and his animals and his children. They all die. But then the whole rest of the book of Job is Job talking to God. Like Satan disappears. He never is mentioned after like the second chapter. And the rest of it is Job saying things like, you know, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he's wrestling with why God would allow all this to happen. Job knows that all of this is from God. Like, yes, Satan is in the picture. Satan is part of this this world that God has made. Mm. But his his power isn't his own. That's, mm. that's what I'm saying. God is still sovereign over Satan. So you yeah. can't just kind of 
puts that in the corner and say, oh, all the other stuff is all his fault. All the good stuff is God's, you yeah. know, and they're kind of battling it out. No, it's all under yeah. God's sovereignty. Yeah, and we call that dualism, isn't it? That that way of thinking, which is mm. you've got two equal powers who are sort of at war, yeah. sort of God v. Satan, and it's a bit of a boxing match who's going to win. Mm. Um, whereas that's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is God is the single Lord of all, um, ruling over even Satan yeah. and his act, act, activities. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, sort of following up on that, there's a, mm. we've got two more questions to go here. So um, this one's sort of connected to that last one. Um, the question is, why did God create sin and why can't he get rid of it? A short answer, he didn't and he has. Ah, okay. So, yeah, like, not to belittle the question, this is a good question to ask. Every question is a good question to ask. Mm. But to say why did God create sin is, I think it's not a, it's not a way of putting it that the Bible would, Sorry, it's not the way that the Bible would put it. God did not create sin. Like God has created a world that is good, very good. That's what Genesis says. Mm. And the fact that there is evil in the world is not something that you can pin down as God's like creation. God's mm. not the author of evil. So like John says in 1 John, you know, God is light in him there is no darkness. Mm. There's absolutely nothing bad in God. And to say that God is the author of evil would be one of the, mm. the greatest, you know, sinful things that we could do like god is good that's the thing that he says again and again and again there's, there's nothing in him that would make evil that said evil still is a part of god's plan in a sense um it's not like god made this really good world and then oh look oh it, you know outside god's plan suddenly evil came along it was a big surprise and now god's kind of got to scramble to figure out how to fix it like no nah, the you see in Revelation again, um, Jesus is called the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And that tells you that the fact that Jesus would die for sins is something that was in the eternal plan of God from mm. before the beginning. So in God's mind from eternity, sin has been part of the, the plan, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that like God kind of planned sin. But that's starting to sound pretty paradoxical, hey? God is the one who has, you know allowed that sin would happen in his world but he's not the one who is the author of it this is all part of the big issue that we wrestle with all the time you know how does human responsibility fit into the, the sovereign yeah. will of a yeah. almighty god and and there's there's lots i mean that's a whole nother episode isn't it there's lots mm -hmm. to say but it is it is at some level it's a mystery i've been promising an episode on compatibilism for for some time and i mean this discussion reminds me of just how important it is to get mm -hmm. in there um, yeah. but it's those it, 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 there is something of a um uh, two ideas that need to be held together as true yeah. um, without them undercutting each other. That is that God is sovereign over all things, including evil, mm. but his sovereignty over evil is conducted in such a way that he himself is not culpable nor the author of it, yeah. um, and yet is in no way out of control of it. Um, That's right. Now, that sounds like a contradictory idea yeah. to, to us, and yet the Bible teaches that very clearly and, mm. and, and says if, if we're struggling to understand how that works, well... The problem is with us, um, not with God. Mm. Um, God. God, by nature, is being God. <laughs> can do all sorts of things, but yeah. uh, so we have to we have to wrestle with the Scriptures' teaching on this, rather than say, "Oh, because I find this hard to understand, it must be wrong." Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to come on the second part of the question, why can't He get rid of sin? Mm. The other thing the Bible makes it clear is that mm. God has done something about sin, and Jesus came to take the He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's He's taken it all on His shoulders. Yeah, and even that in itself, I mean, this is all of these kind of paradoxes and mysteries. They like they're all like this lightning rod that points to the hmm. cross in the end. Um, Acts two twenty three says Jesus was handed over to you. He's talking to the Jews 
by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nail him to the cross. Like God planned this; He knew it was going to happen. He was, you know, this was this was His plan, mm. and you, wicked people, killed the Lord of Glory. Like both of those things are there in the same verse. Yeah, yep. But that's what God has done about sin as well. Yeah, yeah. So He He He, he is getting rid. Of, he has, and He is getting rid of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, we're almost out of time, but let, let's wrap up with this last one here. Um, uh, this is a comment that's sort of been, that's been sent in. Surely the most fundamental rationale for a good and powerful God to allow suffering is that without suffering there could be no salvation. Jesus had to suffer to redeem us. That's why God allows suffering. Your thoughts? Yeah, another great thought. Yeah, I mean, part of, yeah, to some degree, I think yeah, um, God allows suffering because Jesus had to suffer to save us from sin. I think that's right. But that also shows you that sin is still part of the picture right like you don't need to talk about salvation at all mm. unless there's sin in the world so in that sense you could say that sin is still a prior a more prior issue than salvation and in fact god in his mercy even allows sin to be part of the story of bringing about salvation that's like the acts 2 verse i just read about right like mm. it is the the sinful killing of jesus that brings about salvation from sin yeah but that means that sin's even prior but you can keep going back i think one of the things with this issue is like it makes you just ask bigger and bigger questions. You know, could God have created a world without sin? I think so. I think God is free to create whatever kind of world he liked. He could have created a world where it was impossible for uh, for mm. Adam and Eve to eat from the garden, you know, that's, that's mm. possible. Or even, you know, you get back further. Like, why did God create the world at all? God didn't have to, no, nothing forced God to make this world. Like, he doesn't, mm. he doesn't have to do anything. Yep. So it makes you ask the question, why did God create this world? Why did he create human beings at all? And that sweeps us up in this, this grand story of the God who is revealing himself, the God who does what he does to, to bring glory to his son, the God who is working through this world to you know, save a people for himself so that on the last day there'll be you know, millions and millions of people singing Jesus' praises forever. Like As we tease out what this world is about, it all you know, points us back to God showing, you know, lavishing, creating people to lavish his love on them so they would know him and know his glory and mm. know his compassion. And that story, God has decided to tell it in a way that involves our sin. But the end result of it is people who were saved from sin, who understand more about God and how gracious he is. I don't think you can appreciate God's grace and his mercy if there was nothing to be saved from. Mm. These are big thoughts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these are good thoughts, and these are the things that this topic pushes us in um, towards. Now, um, we're, we're going to push pause at that point today, and we hope this has been helpful for you. Um, um, we recognize that this is not everything that can be said about suffering mm. uh, or yeah. evil. Um, it, just in terms of going forward, I, I didn't prep you on this, but do you got any resources that you would recommend if, if people were listening to this and thinking, look, I still need to think about this more. I want to push deeper. Uh, is there anything that, that you could recommend for us in terms of help, helping us to take some more steps? Yeah, sure. A book that I've read and loved is uh, How Long, O Lord? Reflections yeah. on Suffering and Evil by Don Carson, which is, I think, a book that is really kind of robust and, like, it doesn't dodge the hard questions, but it's also still quite pastoral, and if you are in a dark place, I think it still has some really helpful mm -hmm. things to say. Um, another book that uh, I think is helpful, if you are maybe not someone who's going through the hard things, but... Um, knows people who are there's a book called uh, what grieving people really wish you knew something 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 by nancy guthrie is the author i can't remember yeah. the full title but that's a really helpful book about helping other people who are wrestling with you know not necessarily the big philosophical questions but just the the 
the tragedies of life yeah. going on in there. Yeah. Is there anything yeah. else you would add? Uh, no, I was going to say, um, uh, yeah, the how long, O oh Lord. Mm. Um, yeah. It's uh, what grieving people really wish you knew about uh, that really helps and what really hurts. Yes, that's the there one. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nancy Guthrie. So mm. yeah, no, how long, O oh Lord, is my go-to. Um, it is. Mm. It, it is kind of higher level you've got to think a bit but mm. I think that's this issue yeah. you, have, you have to think you've got to come to this issue ready to think uh, and it's a good issue if you haven't suffered yet you're young you're, you're, you're you know thinking about um, you know, it's good at any time but especially if you're early in your Christian life mm. um, now's the time to think about suffering before it happens because it's very hard to think deeply and theologically about this yeah. uh, when the pain hits and you're not prepared that's right yeah yeah Okay. Uh, next week, uh, well, it depends where you are. Um, if you're at, if you're at North Rocks, I think you're doing what's the meaning of life with Gary. Yeah, with Gary, right. yeah. yeah. And uh, if you're at Carlingford, um, I'm going to be going through is there life after death with you? So, yeah. Um, uh, short sneak peek, yes. Um, and, <laughs> that's uh, good news. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, at Lazarus and the rich man, a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter sixteen. So you want to have a read of that before Sunday. Get your head into that with your questions um, ready to ready to come along to church on Sunday. That'd be excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That'll be good. Fabulous. We'll leave it there for today. Thank you, Jack, for all your hard work and for helping us wrestle through these questions. And uh, we'll see you at church on Sunday. See you then. Bye.